G'day everybody and welcome back to the House of Mario. This month during February we're celebrating Pokemon's 25th year anniversary. And today we've got a very special guest. We've got Rebecca, who you can check out her written work on Twinfinite. And she's also the co-host on the Nintendo Shack podcast on the PSVG network. And uh, Rebecca, how are you going today? Doing really well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm going well. Uh, enjoying my weekend so far and got a lot of uh, Pokemon stuff to celebrate and get amongst and all of that. I'm so looking forward to it. I think there's there's going to be a lot that they have planned that we can get excited about. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess just to jump into things, try and understand a bit of your Pokemon history. Uh, whoops, hit the wrong button there. Uh, <laughs> uh, how old are you and uh, I guess what was your first Pokemon experience? I know it might not necessarily be the most polite thing. Ask a lady how old she is. <laughs> but I, I like to just ask it just to find out, you know, um, what type of, I guess, Pokemon timeline you sort of grew up in? Because I know that affects yeah. things a lot, yeah. No worries. I'm not offended at all. So <laughs> I'm 26. I'm turning 27 in March. Um, so my first experience with Pokemon was actually in the first generation with Pokemon Blue on the Game Boy Color. I got it on. I originally found out about Pokemon from watching the TV show. I was at a preschool friend's house and her older brother was watching the anime on TV and I was just so captivated by it. I'm like, what is this show? What are these creatures? It's so cool. Um, so I started watching the show. I begged and begged and begged my mom to get me a Game Boy Color and my first game was Pokemon Blue. Mm. And so I've, I've been hooked ever since. Um, I did have, you know, kind of some rough patches with it where I didn't play it as much. You know, I skipped entirely Generation 4. Um, but then I eventually got back into it with Gen 5 and just kind of been picking it up and playing it ever since. Oh, that's awesome. So... The Pokemon anime, do you remember like the very first episode you watched? Because I know that uh, like the first episode I ever watched is so ingrained in my mind. Just uh, I was I was in the motel room and they had pay to air TV. So um, turn it on and there was Pokemon. It was the episode when I think, uh, was it with uh, Paris? So it's, it's been a long time for me to, <laughs> to actually watch the anime. But uh, it's like with uh, Paris and they were trying to get it evolved into a Parasect. And I just remember those big beating eyes and... Uh, seeing Pikachu and Ash just sort of hooked me from there as well. Do you remember your first episode or was it really hazy? No, I don't remember the first episode, you know, that one that I first saw at my friend's house. But I do remember that first season of the anime. I would come home from school every day and it would be on TV. The next episode would be on. So I would be rushing home from school to catch it on TV. Um, those first couple episodes, like the the Butterfree episode, I remember, and just all those classic ones from that first season. Yeah, I... <laughs> It's uh, just so many good memories just with the Pokemon anime, just yeah, like the Butterfree. I remember uh, the episode with the Eevee Evolutions. Uh, that's Yes, one. that was such a good one. Yeah, and like every episode, or it was like, for me, it was on the video, so I didn't actually get to watch them on TV because uh, here in Australia, we, we had a thing called Cheese TV where in the morning it was like Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, all like the big, I guess, uh, anime, cartoon type of things. And... Uh, I had to catch the school bus early. So I, I had to go to school and I'll get to school and my friends who lived in town, they would be like, oh, well, this happened and they sort of recapped the whole episode for me. And a lot of the time, it's oh. just like, <laughs> most of the time, it's just like, oh, Team Rocket, you know, they came, they tried to get Pikachu and they blasted off. I'm like, well, there you go. 
very, very exciting. Happened stuff. every time, right? <laughs> but I remember just being so captivated, being like, "All right, let's uh, let's really sort of dig into this episode. What happened? Has uh, Brock evolved his mudkip yet? Like, what's going on there?" And uh, yeah, uh, but with the Eevee evolutions, I remember watching that, and that was always like a lunchtime episode. And uh, I, I ever had my two-minute noodles or my pizza slices or whatever. And I would have been like six years old or whatever it was, and that was just like my eating episode because in that episode there's a big banquet they hold a big banquet for uh i've got the name of the the young uh person in that uh episode but he had the eevee and they're trying to force him to evolve his eevee into either of either of the evolutions and uh yeah i just remember watching that and eating all the time so there's like different episodes i've got like really distinct memories of them all which is a it's kind of weird but it's actually you know it's it's really a i guess a great nostalgia (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I, I remember that episode. And it's funny how we make those associations. You remember the, the big banquet with the food and you just have that association with it. And that, that creates our memories. It's awesome. Yeah. Do you have any sort of like weird, very specific memories like that for any episodes? Or I know that's sort of like a really random question um, to sort of ask. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a good point. There's a lot of them that I do remember very distinctly. Um, they did that kind of series of episodes where it was how Ash got each of the different Pokemon, like the Bulbasaur, the Charmander, and the Squirtle. Yeah. Um, I remember those three episodes really distinctly, specifically the Charmander episode. I remember yeah. watching that one with my dad, and we were just kind of making fun of the the one character's accent, like, no, no, it's my Charmander. It's my Charmander. <laughs> so I don't remember really anything except for that part. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a legendary episode, and like, all three of those episodes were on like the same video as well. So that was just like such an epic video because uh, I only had a few and the rest I went to the library to go and borrow. So that was always like a really special one to go and borrow. Yeah, yeah. Those I think are are some of the like the, the mandatory ones that you need to see if you're going back and watching that first uh, season of the anime. Mm. Did you ever, uh, did you have the videos or did you just watch watch them on TV? I mostly did just watch them on TV. I think I did have a few of the VHS tapes. Um, not too many of them. I mostly did watch it on TV. Yeah, because I, I just asked, because I just remembered uh, that the actual uh, videos were actually yellow. Uh, j- that's just something that came Were they? To- yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> just something that came to my mind then. I'm like, wow, that was really cool because, you know, they're all just like chunky black things, but this thing was actually like a bright yellow one. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's just a... Uh, I don't know. As we're talking about it, it just like it starts coming back because Pokemon's like it's it's still something that's in my everyday life. I'm you know playing Pokemon Go, playing Pokemon Sword and Shield, and uh, whatever have you, whatever games current at the time. But uh, re- remembering back, it always surprises me how much sort of nostalgia I've forgotten about because I just assume that I sort of remembered it all, but really there's still quite a lot there. I feel like it was such a big part of my childhood growing up. And yeah, going back, I recently found this big binder of the TCG cards um, that I used to collect all of them. I put them in a binder and I totally forgot that I had this. And then I was cleaning one time and I uncovered it. And you're right, all these these memories came back of that part of my life. Did you find any valuable ones? When you went back and oh, I did. So <laughs> I've heard, you know, of all of the ones that are like the shadow lists and the base cards. And I've, you know, I don't think I have anything like that. That would be super nice if I had, you know, one of those ones you always hear about um, in the news every once in a while. Oh, somebody on eBay sold this, you know, $2 million car, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
um, you know, we can only wish they had something like that. Yeah, because uh, I, I went back oh, probably a couple of weeks ago. I opened up my binder and had a look. I'm like, let's see what I've got. Because I only had like a small amount of cards anyway. I had uh, just probably like three booster packs that my, my grandfather gave me. So, um, But I found like a, a hollow Pidgeot and stuff. And apparently it's worth 60 bucks. I'm like, oh, well, that's oh, wow. that, that's something. I wouldn't sell it for 60 bucks because I've Yeah, got, yeah. I feel like that kind of thing's just more sentimental value. Yeah. If it, if it was just a random card, it's like, oh, well, 60 bucks is 60 bucks, I guess. But um, having it that long from when I was, you know, five years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I would imagine I probably have ones that are like that, maybe, you know, $20, $30 here and there. But I doubt <laughs> that I would have anything like the, the thousands of dollars that you see going, you know, on eBay. Yeah. Uh, with the Pokemon anime, do you have any sort of favorite movies in there? You know, I haven't seen a lot of the movies. Um, once, as I got a little bit older, I kind of stopped watching the show after the first or second season. Um, I stopped going to see the movies. But I think I saw the first two or three movies in theaters at the time. And, the you know, the only thing that I really remember about them were two things. The first was getting that ancient Mew Pokemon card. I don't know if they ran that that promotion in Australia, but it was big in the United States. Did they get, yeah. Yeah. Um, The ancient Mew card where it was shimmery and it looked very, you know, very um, like the hieroglyphics on it and whatnot. I remember getting that and I remember specifically like making my parents go get one because they were at the theater with me so that I would have extras. I think I still have a few of them. I remember that seeing at the first movie. And then I don't know if it was the first or second movie, but they had the the short film before the actual movie where it was Pikachu's Vacation. Do you remember that one? yeah, Yeah, that was the first one. Yep. I remember enjoying that more than the actual movie itself. It was just so cute, so fun, so happy. And I think it was actually my first introduction to some of the Generation 2 Pokemon because the ones like Snubble and Meryl were in it, Togepi was in it. Um, So that was kind of my first introduction to that. And I just thought like, oh my gosh, there's these new Pokemon that haven't been discovered yet. It was so cool. Yeah, because I had that, I had the Pokemon movie on uh, video as well. And it was all like, it was all just one chunk. So I, I always watched Pikachu, Pikachu's vacation in the movie just as one whole every time I watched it. And I like, I, I still can't get over the uh, the song that introduces Pikachu's vacation. I'm going to just butcher it when I try and do it. But it's like, I'm not even going to try actually. But just like the beat was so, so good. Because <laughs> uh, I had I had the soundtrack on. I don't remember CD. that. I'm... Yeah, I had the soundtrack on I'm going to have to look CD. that up because I don't remember it. Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. So. How's it go against like vacations where I want to be something, something, something. That's the best I can do. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to look this up. <laughs> yeah, because I, I had the, the CD, like the Pokemon first movie soundtrack, and uh, I just played it all the time. Uh, it was like the first music CD I ever bought. Uh, it was, it was, I bought it alongside like some like 80s rock and roll sort of mixtape as well. It's really, really a weird second purchase on top of that. But uh, oh. yeah, just absolutely. I, I'm not familiar with that. No, <laughs> no, it was like really, really, really good. And uh, when they sort of introduced like Gen 2 Pokemon, I was sort of like, I thought Togepi, I didn't know Togepi was a new Pokemon because it was, oh, it was in the anime and all of that so much. So I never actually associated so much with Gen 2 when I was a kid. So Meryl and, Rumble. And- yeah. 
it was kind of weird because you're right. They had Tokopi in so many of the episodes of, you know, that first season of the anime that I feel like if you didn't play the games or whatever, you would think that it that it is a Generation 1 Pokemon. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, it's just, uh, it, was, it, was, it was sort of weird as a kid, but no, uh, generations on, they kept on introducing sort of the newer Pokemon through the anime and uh, movies as they went on. So got a bit more used to it. But yeah, I was, I was surprised when it's like, oh, Meryl's, you know, wasn't in the first games. There you go. Because I didn't play the games until Ruby and Sapphire. Like, I, I just watched the anime, collected the cards, did all these types of things before actually having a, a Game Boy and enjoying the mainline series. And that's when I got really hooked. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that you... So you started playing the games a few generations in. You weren't there from the start. Yeah. No, I wish I was, but I didn't even know what a Game Boy was when I was a kid. I, I grew up on a farm. Parents weren't into video games or anything, so uh, pretty much no exposure to it. I didn't, yeah, I just watched the anime. I'm like, huh. When I was uh, nine, I'm like, huh, there's games. There you go. So I asked for a Game Boy uh, Advance then and got Sapphire. But up until uh, up until then, I um, hadn't played any. So how, how did you get into the games? Yeah. Do, you, do you just sort of just see the anime and uh, ask for it for Christmas and get blue? Or was there a bit more to that story i yeah i don't even think i waited until christmas i think i begged my mom i'm like we need to get this game and i don't know why i picked blue over red um maybe it was just what, what they had or what she bought me but um i went and bought that i don't remember who my first starter was you know everybody uh, always says right. you everybody remembers their first starter but i don't remember because i think back then this was, I must have been five or six years old, so I probably wasn't really the strongest reader yet. I remember restarting the game multiple times before I ever even finished it for the first time. Maybe it got a little bit too hard for me or I didn't know what to do, but um, I think I restarted and tried it with all of the starters at one point. I probably picked Bulbasaur as my first time, it would probably be my, my best guess. Um, but I do remember, you know, going back and just replaying it as all of them as I was a kid until I eventually got gold and silver, which I think was my first like real experience with the Pokemon games, because that was definitely the first game that I was able to beat. I don't think I ever even went back and finished blue on my own until after I had already played gold and silver. Yeah. Cause I remember my first time going through Sapphire and I just play, I picked Mudkip and I went through the game and when you first get, say, Water Gun, where you actually get a uh, like a stab move, like this is really good. So f- throughout the rest of the game, I never taught my Swamp a brand new move. So I remember being in the in the Pokemon League with Water Gun, Mud Shot, and just like all of the stuff, like the first three moves you basically learn. And, oh uh, no! <laughs> and you know, it's it's not the most effective thing having just one Pokemon with awful moves and. I uh I think uh, he wanted to learn earthquake. I'm like, oh, okay. No, well, I will tell you what, I'll, I'll teach I'll teach you earthquake. All right, you know that sounds pretty cool. Earthquakes, uh, you know, you know that sounds like it'll be pretty strong. So I teach it, and it just like destroys everything. I'm like, oh my god, what was I doing the whole time? Um, so you know, I oh co- wow, I, it's- co- I cottoned onto it a bit after that, but that was a learning experience. Just going through the whole game, just being like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, just one Pokemon. Don't have to bother training anything else. <laughs> I feel like it's so funny because when we're kids, we don't obviously know all of the strategies and kind of what we know now. You know, there's such a learning curve. I almost wonder if people, even adults who are getting into Pokemon now for the first time, if they just don't know those things about super effective moves and, you know, what you really should be doing, all these things that we learned 
by trial and error as we were growing up all these years. Yeah, because like, no, there's pretty simple ones. Like obviously, you know, I guess uh, electric beats water. I guess that makes a lot of sense. And water beats fire. Like, I guess that's somewhat common knowledge. But when it gets into dark beats psychic and psychic beats poison, it's like, hmm, that's a that's a bit more tricky to sort of memorize all these seven. Was it seventeen types now with fairy? Like, was it eighteen? I still don't have all of them memorized. Some of them I really have to think about. Like, you know, some of you're right. Some of them obviously make sense. Like, duh, water puts out fire. But some of them is just like, okay, well, how, you know, how would I know that? Like, what's it? I think fighting is good against, you know, or flying or something. Um, It it might not make a whole lot of logical sense. Yes, because when when it comes to uh, flying and fighting, it's like, I guess flying super effective against fighting because the fighting man can't punch the bird in the sky. <laughs> yeah, you have to come up with these weird associations like it that that might not be as obvious. Yeah, and uh, like for the longest time, I always remember thinking that rock was super effective against steel. I'm like, I guess you throw a rock at a steel thing and it dents it, but it's actually not very effective. It's um, mm. steel super effective against rock. I guess like steel just smashes through rock. I'm like. Okay, so there's like a few things where you've got to sort of have little things in your memory to sort of try and remember some of this stuff. So you can you can see yeah. why it would be hard getting into it. Definitely, for sure. I, you know, I think with all the mechanics nowadays, especially that they've added over the generations, it's probably pretty overwhelming for newcomers. Yeah, and I think they're trying to Game Freak's trying to do a fair bit to try and introduce new players and that to the game. Whether that's uh, in the in the best ways for older players, that's that's to be seen with uh, the next games and all that. But yeah, I hope more people get into it because the games they're they're a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm addicted. <laughs> I, I can't get away. Me too. Yeah. I think they've got me for life. <laughs> I think they have, um, you know, noticed that it might be overwhelming for new players, which is why maybe they've added like the Let's Go series as, you know, kind of to soften the introduction to kids and new players because the the series has gotten more complicated over time. Um, So it's kind of the best of both both worlds type thing. Yeah. And I guess talking about Let's Go, how did you feel about the Let's Go game? Um, Did you enjoy your playthrough through it or did you find it a bit lackluster or what was your take on it? I did for the most part. So I think I actually ended up getting it a little bit cheaper. Our games are normally $60. Um, I think I ended up getting it on discount uh, for about 40, which to me felt like a good price for what it was. It felt like a, a pretty good remake of yellow, which I think is if that's what you're viewing it as, that's, you know, I think that's a good thing. Um, I wish there had been maybe a little bit more post-game content that there was. I think the, my biggest complaint for it was that, you know, the control scheme. I didn't I didn't mind the way that you could catch the Pokemon, which it wasn't really fighting them. It was more of like the, the Pokemon Go ring system where it, where it closes in. I didn't mind that. I just wish that I could have used, like, my pro controller and had kind of a more <laughs> traditional, well, just press press the button to do it. You know, it wasn't always easy to to have the motion and, you know, always do it. It was either always in handheld or you always had to be like having the motion. I couldn't use my pro controller and just kind of relax on the TV if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, so I think if they did continue the Let's Go series, I hope they would rework the controls to make it a little bit more accessible to all types of play styles. Um, but as for like the actual mechanics, I didn't mind that. It was nice to revisit Kanto in, you know, that kind of art style. I thought the whole game was beautiful. I really like kind of the chibi aspect, but still like the 3D models of it um i love that we got the following pokemon back so i think there were a lot of really great things about it as well 
Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it too. It sort of took me by surprise because I was, I was, I was looking forward to it a lot, but I was expecting to be like, yeah, I'll play through it. It'll be fun. But I actually got sort of addicted to like the the chain mechanics and the shiny hunting at the end of it. That really sort of drew me in, and I ended yes. up I ended up playing that game for like ninety hours at the end, like on my clock, and that's a lot for that type of game. How it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a twenty hour game max to sort of play through. So, um, yeah, that that really sort of hooked me, and I do definitely agree with the controls because. I, I mainly played on handheld mode. You could use the gyroscope to sort of like just sort of aim your switch and press a shoulder button to throw the ball. Um, but I was reading a lot of stuff online how people who maybe had disabilities and stuff couldn't play it because, you know, they can't physically control the game, which I thought was really sad. And I think uh, it's mm-hmm. definitely something Nintendo needs to look at. Like, you know, throwing the Poke- Pokeball Go Plus or the Joy-Con, is, it's fun. It's a, it's a cool little gimmick. It makes you feel like, yeah, I'm Ash Catching, I'm throwing the ball. But there should definitely just be an option be like, hey, you know, I've had a big day. I've got sore arms. <laughs> I just want to sit there with my controller, please. And, and they should just be fine with that. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely agree. I think it's nice that they have that option. I will always think that more options are better. You're right, because it's not always accessible for everybody. So maybe letting that be the main option, maybe the main way to play, but then switching to traditional controls. There's no reason why you wouldn't be able to just move it around with your control stick and then press a button to, oh, yeah. to throw the ball, I think. Would have been perfectly fine. Um, but you're right about the, sh- the shiny Pokemon. I probably ended up spending about as much time as you did with that game just from shiny hunting. I maintain that it's the best Pokemon game to shiny hunt in. And um, I wish they had kind of kept that same aspect of it in the wild area in Sword and Shield where they appear shiny in the overworld. Maybe you could chain and do the same thing um, because it, it's a lot of fun. And I think... In, a less frustrating way to shiny hunt. Yeah, and like your odds are just that much better because multiple Pokemon can spawn at one time. And it just it doesn't take yeah. as long. It takes the tedium out of it a lot. And uh, it, that was one of the things when with Sword and Shield they said, "Oh, the Pokemon are back in the overworld." It's like yes, because you know hopefully we'll be able to do the shiny chaining and all that. Because that was one of the best mechanics they've introduced in a long time. Like having chains of Pokemon to inter- like uh, just put up your odds for uh, finding a shiny. Um, but when it sort of came out that, oh, the Pokemon, they're not shiny in the overworld. And uh, there is sort of a chain mechanic, but it's nowhere near as fleshed out as is in Let's Go. So um, that was a bit disappointing. But I think the biggest thing for shiny hunting and sword and shield is that there's just not many options. Um, it's basically like Masuda method mm-hmm. in the daycare um, to put up your odds. So you're just hatching eggs and eggs and eggs. And apart from that, it's either just, yeah, going in the wild and crossing your fingers and hoping the RNG sort of blesses you a bit. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it's funny because they, I feel like at this point they've even eliminated the need to breed for competitive. You know, if you're, if you're shiny hunting, that's one thing, but if you're going for really good stats, they've made so many ways that you can change the nature. You can even change the IVs now. So, you know, just seeing how much has really changed in the competitive scene is, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, a good thing. I know a lot of people aren't too happy about that breeding for, competitive stats has been kind of rendered useless now. Um, But I kind of like it because then you can take like your starter Pokemon who normally would be pretty useless for good stats and, you know, just make them better and better. Yeah. And uh, have you um, gotten into competitive battling that much or just competitive breeding or anything like that? 
I've dabbled in it a little bit. You know, I, I'm not, not very good or anything. I, I did do some competitive breeding in Generation 6, but I never really did any tournaments or anything like that. Um, so I, I know about the competitive scene, but I don't do too, too much with it. Yeah, I um, I sort of, I wanted to get into it a little bit with Sword and Shield just for all, all the new mechanics and how you can sort of get into it a bit easier now. And uh, I was going to go to uh, Melbourne to uh, actually try and participate in it. Uh, but that's when sort of the, all the COVID stuff hit and, you know, <laughs> early, uh, early last year. So that's like, a bummer. Yeah, it was like just at the tail end of it. I'm like, yeah, I probably, probably won't go to Melbourne for that. But it was really disappointing because mm. I watched it online and it, it looked like a lot of fun. And just like the diverse amount of people there just was unreal, just from little kids to um, women to men, just just everything it's just it's that's what it just reminds me of like how special pokemon is even at like the competitive level not even just the, the casual pick it up from target and play it for six hours double thing <laughs> you're absolutely right because it appeals to so many people now i work in a school and you would think that this fad of pokemon that they always said would be going away they always called it this fad you know, every time they talk about Pokemon when I was growing up, but the kids still love it. They still collect the cards. They say that they play the game on the Switch. Um, they're so into it as much as ever. So there's still kids that are into it. You know, you still see teenagers and adults and, you know, all sorts of people who still enjoy Pokemon. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it's awesome. And I reckon it's, I don't, um, I guess, interact with uh, kids that much apart from like friends, kids and stuff, but it's always so special when you see um, someone younger enjoying Pokemon the same way we did. And it gives us sort of a, yeah. a connection to be able to sort of be able to like just in interact with them, which is, I think it's really special. And I reckon you would have to be like one of the coolest people working at that school to all the kids. <laughs> which, like, They're always so amazed. They're like, you know, Pokemon and I'm able <laughs> to name, you know, all of them and they're like what like you know the teachers and i'm not a teacher but they're like you know a, a grown-ups able to <laughs> to know pokemon like what the heck you're old and i'm like i'm not that old like i grew up with this <laughs> so so it is cool it's very cool <laughs> did they come up to you saying oh do you have any shinies you can give us do you have any <laughs> cool pokemon you can, <laughs> you can trade us they don't say that. I, that will be the day, you know, once they start asking for, for rare Pokemon. It will be funny. <laughs> so, Miss Rebecca, do you want a battle? <laughs> now, that would be, now, I would be uh, very curious to see how good they are. Maybe they would beat me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of kids would absolutely clean me up as well. Um, yeah. Uh, in Australia, uh, well, last year there was... Um, I think it was the juniors and this little girl one, and she just had such an amazing team. And the I, I forgot what her sort of gimmick for the team was, but it was just unreal watching this little girl just play at such a high level. And it, it just it just shows you, like you know, Pokemon is complicated, but it's not it's not too complicated that kids can't get into it, or even mm -hmm. adults that are a bit older. Um, but I guess uh, talking about the Pokemon themselves, what are some of your favorite Pokemon? Obviously, the Pokemon are the most important part of the series. Um, so what are some of your favorite Pokemon? I don't want, I don't necessarily need you to say like your favorite one because I know that might be hard unless you've got a definite answer because I've asked people before <laughs> and they've just gone, oh man, they're just sort of broken down into tears. I'm like, all right, you don't have to pick your favorite, but maybe like your top, your <laughs> it's top, top three. It's hard to pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hard to pick, but I, I do have a favorite. 
Um, you know, I've, I've always really, really liked Ninetales um, and Vulpix. Vulpix and Ninetales, I guess, would kind of be even um, because I've always been really into the fire types. And I think I have a soft spot for any of them that are kind of animalish, you know, kind of on four legs, animalish type. Um, I, you know, I love foxes. They're so cute. So Ninetales has always been like my favorite, favorite. Um, some other ones that I get I really like. Um, are like uh, like Lycanroc uh, for some of the newer ones, um, like Mightyena. Um, I know they're all kind of like wolf foxy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the other Talonflame, Fennekin. Um, I really like in the newest generation Applin, the apple oh, with yes. eyes. He's mm -hmm. really cute. I feel like I'm the only one that likes that one. Um, and I really like Flygon. That actually reminds me, was there... Was there an episode uh, of Nintendo Shack where you must have been talking about Sword and Shield and Donnie was dissing Applin? Do I remember that right? He was definitely dissing Applin. Yeah, oh. good memory. I think he was dissing a lot of things about Sword and Shield, yeah. but yeah, he was dissing Applin. <laughs> yeah, because like, you know, you know, everyone has their own opinion, but you can't, you can't diss Applin. Like, I get that it's... He's so cute! Because <laughs> I, I remember when uh, those Pokemon first leaked uh, and it was just like the front, like the of the 3d model and uh i'm like an apple I'm like okay well let's, let's see how that goes fair enough <laughs> but when i found it in game and i don't think that one was spoiled to me oh really yeah well that's that's good i um i couldn't help myself i actually i'm like i don't want to see anything but i'm like slowly comes up on my timeline i'm like oh let's just have a cheeky click let's just see what that look like um, <laughs> but when i found applin and like the camera wraps around it in the battle and you see but it's like this little caterpillar dragon thing which just like in this apple i'm like oh my god i love it so much and its evolutions are just amazing just like flapple especially it's so yeah, it's so funny to me that an apple is considered a dragon, but then you have Charizard, who's a literal dragon, and he's not even dragon type. <laughs> I think it was in a Pokemon Masters, but uh, I think it might have—I forgot what character it was—but um, that they, they're a dragon trainer, and basically he said he's got like his Gyarados and stuff. Oh, it was Lance. Um, I think someone was dissing him because he's got Charizard, he's got Gyarados, and all that, but he's a dragon trainer. And basically how the writers sort of said that was like, you don't have to have dragon Pokemon, dragon type Pokemon to have dragon Pokemon. I'm like, oh, that's a good way of looking at it. He can still, oh. be, he can still be a dragon, but he's not dragon type, I guess. Interesting. So does that mean we just don't take the types that seriously in the Pokemon world, according to Lance? I don't know. I, Who knows? I just sort of heard that secondhand. I don't actually play Pokemon Masters. They lost me at the during the I first week. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> Because they they, no. they they had me with like all the story stuff they're doing with the characters, but they lost me with just uh, I guess the mechanics and just sort of the how they want you to pay for it as well. It was a bit egregious. Yeah, I never really got into to any of the Pokemon mobile games really. Besides Pokemon Go is the only one that I ever really got into. Yeah, do you still continue to play Pokemon Go or um, a bit more lax on it? You know. I, I did for a long time. I think I stayed on it for a lot longer than most people did, but I kind of fell off of it, you know, with the pandemic. I stopped 
you know, yeah. going out to all my normal places. And so I tried to do it from home. I know they, they made it a little bit easier to play from home, but, and I don't live in the middle of nowhere, but there's not really any stops that are like right in distance to my house that like, I could just kind of, you know, walk out my door and there will be like a stop or a gym or anything there. So I kind of fell off of it, but um, when the weather gets nice again, you know, I think I might, I might get back into it. It's nice to like go for a walk and just kind of catch, you know, whatever's out there. Yeah. Cause I didn't play it for a long time. I obviously got obsessed with it in 2016 when it first came out, but I live in a small town and it's just, there's, there wasn't much going on. So I just, I felt like I couldn't enjoy it cause there just, there was like three stops in the whole town. I'm like, I can't. And they're spread out too, so I couldn't actually do much. Yeah, I think it, it's really a, a good game for if you live in like a big city or something where there's a lot going on. But you're right, if you live in the middle of nowhere, that's definitely a downfall for the game. Yeah, because um, I went to uh, Melbourne for PAX uh, 2018 or whatever it was, and I'm like, tell you what, I'm going to give Pokemon Go a go again. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, got it out, and it's just like littered with Pokestops, Pokemon popping up everywhere. I'm like, come on. Why can't it be like this at my place? Because it will be a lot of fun to do this. But sort of um, since then, I just I, I just kept logging on and found a bit of a community. And people have been actually adding Pokestops and stuff to the point now where we can actually play it like pretty well. Um, I'm good. Yeah, I've got like spots where things can spawn and stuff. So uh, I'll be honest, it's uh, I'm very much addicted to Pokemon Go. Uh, <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah. that makes me feel like i could still get back into it you know when, mm. when the weather gets nice again yeah and like the, the changes they made over the pandemic made the game a lot more fun too like you don't have to be as close to pokestops and pokemon spawn a lot more uh pokemon spawn it there's like a spawn point at my house because i think uh i was talking to a friend of mine uh, on a previous podcast and the way he explained it is if you if if Niantic know that you're playing there, they'll put Pokemon spawns there. So they'll like, if you're playing every day mm-hmm. at your house, they'll know to put spawns at your house, which I don't know. That, that, oh, that makes sense. That could be a bit concerning, like using location <laughs> data and stuff to do that. I don't, I don't know. I they know to, where you live. Yeah. <laughs> they'll just say like my, um, my route in town, just like going loop loops around to the park, back to that park down the street, <laughs> spinning all these stops. And they're like, what is this madman up to? But at least they can't sell my data because it's just completely useless. Like I don't know where this man goes. He is uh, he is off the chain. He just goes around in circles. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Just walking around this park, like, hmm, should we be concerned or is he actually playing our game? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so yeah, Pokemon Go, big uh, yeah, big obsession of mine. Especially now that uh, there's Pokemon Home compatibility. So when there's like a community day for shinies and stuff, I can actually put them into Pokemon Home and uh, use them like that because that actually makes it feel yes. like it's a part of my collection rather than just this other thing. Um, which Pokemon? An extra incentive. It's mm. not stuck in your in your phone forever. You're right. Yeah, especially like uh, on Machop Day was the last community day, and I got um twenty nine shiny Machop. Oh, you have so much luck. I would always go out on the community days and sometimes I would get like five or six or seven would be like the best. But I remember there was one where I really, really wanted my shiny Charmander. And I went, I played the entire community day event and I didn't get it. Like not a single one. It's so frustrating. But sometimes then other times I'll get so many of them. It's so bizarre how, how the randomness works. What's the Charmander one like a couple of months ago? This was, yeah, I know that they repeated some of them, but I'm talking okay. about like the, the very first time that they had it. Yeah. yeah. I missed, I've gotten one since. 
Because <laughs> I missed that one. I'm like, God damn it. Like I did the Weedle one. I did, you know, all these other yeah. ones. I missed Charmander. I'm like, come on. <laughs> no, and that's such a good one to get because yeah. the shiny Charmander is black. It looks so cool. Yeah. Oh, like shiny Charizard is amazing. Absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Like, all the black shinies are just phenomenal. Like um, Rayquaza was always one, but I'm like. That's the other one I was just thinking of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing like Ruby and Sapphire. I'll be like, I reset it like five times. Like, Let's see if the shiny one pops up. No. <laughs> but I'm not going to sit no. there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would be one of your favorite Pokemon generations, you reckon? Obviously, you started with uh, uh, Blue. Um, you missed uh, Diamond and Pearl. But uh, what would be a really, I guess, maybe a standout one for you? So I'll probably always have the most nostalgia for Generation 2, um, specifically Crystal, because that was the first Pokemon game where I was able to play as a girl. So the whole entire yeah. time for Gen 1 and 2, you know, when, when I was playing Gold and Silver and Red and Blue, um, I put obviously put in my name Rebecca, but I was playing as a boy trainer and they would always kind of refer to it, you know, the trainer as him. Um, so being able to finally play as a girl in Crystal was such a big moment for me and I think that kind of solidified as you know Gen 2 being one of my favorites um, plus just the region and, and getting to go back to Kanto like was such a mind-blowing moment for me um, just how grand that game felt at the time so I'll, I'll always have like a special feeling towards that game I think that'll always have a special place in my heart um, but I, I feel like probably my favorite generation is more of an unpopular one i really really liked generation six x and y because i feel like that's when i really started getting back into it i was an adult by that time i was in college so this was like the first pokemon game that i bought with my own money like i felt like i was starting to get into the competitive scene a little bit like i start understanding the competitive scene more i was really getting back into it kind of joining like the online communities by that point um and i just really liked the the designs in that generation and then when the generation three remakes came out in that same generation um i really loved those as well because i played ruby as a kid but i I think that was kind of when i was falling out of it so when the, the the remakes came out when I was an adult, I feel like I was appreciating it a lot more. And now I really, really, really love those games too. Yeah, well, that's awesome because um, I I do quite like X and Y, but I must admit it is it, definitely a big letdown for me. Um, like I played I played through them. I thought the atmosphere and the new Pokemon and everything was great. I think the introduction uh, introduction of Mega Evolution was really fun mm-hmm. um it's a sort of a, a bit a bit of a broken mechanic for a competitive scene just the fact that uh you had to sort of revolve your team around one of uh, 50 pokemon like it's sort of like limited sort mm-hmm. of uh, what you could do with your team but uh, apart from that it was really great but when when i finished the game there was just like nothing to do um like compared to some of the other games so um, it's probably one of the games I put the least amount of hours into. I still put, you know, 50 hours into X. Oh, really? I still put 50 hours into X, but um, yeah. But, you know, 50. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like a funny complaint for like maybe someone who um, doesn't play. So you only got 50 hours out of your, was it $60 game here? Like, like. Come on, man. And you're saying that's short. Right, right, yeah. right. No, I definitely understand, you know, those complaints. I think that's kind of where the post game for the series, that was the, the point where they really stopped doing much for them. I feel like that's kind of been the case um, for the generation since early in that gen for sure. Um, mm. 
the reason why I got a lot of enjoyment out of it was because that was the first generation where I started collecting my living Pokedex. So mm. I really started getting into like the collecting, you know, one of everything, you know, I had the, the Bulbasaur, Ivysaur and Venusaur, not just filling out the Pokedex, but making sure I had one of everything because I feel like that was the game that for me started making like the trading and the online a lot easier. So it felt more attainable for me. So I just put hours and hours of my post game into collecting, you know, with the friend safaris made it easier. The, um, what did they, what did they call the online? The, um, uh, so the whatever the, the YNAV? Was it called something like that? Yeah. Whatever the equivalent <laughs> to it was. Yeah. I just remember it being very, very good. Um, it was easy to use and, um, that's kind of what I spent my post game doing in that generation. Yeah. And I did a similar thing in, uh, Alpha Sapphire as well. I, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to finish my Pokedex cause I like had most of them in black and white. So I moved a lot of them over and I started doing my living decks on that too. So, uh, I, I really did enjoy doing, doing that. It was really cool. And I've still <laughs> got to update it for sword and shield actually now, but I think about it in Pokemon home, but yeah, it was just uh, it's, it's, it is a lot of fun, and that's probably where that's probably the generation where I actually like got really addicted to like having everything. Like I always usually completed my Pokedex, completed it, cool, got my reward, whether it's a certificate or a Pokemon or whatever have you. But that's the generation where I'm like, I got to have every form, every like evolution. I want them all lined up. I want it looking nice. Yeah. Um. So yep. yeah, yeah, I can definitely say that too. That's where a lot of the sort of fun came from, but. Uh, I feel like it's a it's a little bit of a cop out for Game Freak to expect that of everyone, uh, and it's you know definitely I mean? not for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's you're right. Probably the majority of people are not going to spend their 50 hours just collecting one of everything the way that we would. Um, so you're right. I think that game definitely could have had a lot more post game and things to do beyond that. Yeah, and I think where we are now in Generation 8 as well, where we have PvE, so you have like the Dynamax raids, you have the sort of uh, the legendary dens, and you have uh, like the collection aspect, you've got Pokemon Home integration. I think it's in a really good place for giving people options. I just wish mm -hmm. there was more options for com competitive battle in-game. So like stuff like the Battle Frontier and sort of challenges that are more than uh, the gyms in the Pokemon League because typically those stories are actually you know quite easy. Uh that might be coming from, you know, we're, we're very experienced Pokemon trainers now, so maybe it's just coming from that. Uh, but I, I absolutely loved the Battle Frontier in um, Emerald version. That was one of my highlights for the series. Uh, I wasn't very good at battling back then, so it's not like I like, conquered the whole thing and absolutely smashed it. But uh, these days, I would love to see something like that in the mainline games to actually have like a big challenge to sort of aim towards, put a team together. So I think, uh, I think honestly, that's the one thing missing from the series these days. I think they've got the collection stuff. They've got the PVE and all that. Just uh, more battling stuff in-game rather than having to go online would be really cool, I think. I think so, too. And, you know, it makes me wonder why they haven't added something like that because I feel like fans have been asking for that for so many years now. You know, bring back the Battle Frontier. And unfortunately for me, that was something that I missed because I never played Emerald. The only one that I played from that uh, generation was Ruby. Um, but I hear all these amazing things, why people loved it so much. And just hearing people asked, f you know, to bring that or something like it back makes me wonder why they haven't yet. You know, do they think that it wouldn't be popular enough for kind of the their core audience that's kind of beyond the people like me and you, you know, the the more casual ones, the more kids type player? I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, they've gone in interviews basically saying like, 
uh, a lot of you know people didn't stick around and like do it pretty much. So uh, when it comes down to being a game producer, I guess it is it makes a lot more sense putting the effort into the story, and that that's mm-hmm. the portion people will play. And I think just over the years, Game Freak have been like, you know what? Tell you what, most of our audience doesn't play it. Don't worry about it. But Pokemon, it, with how big it is, there's still a massive fan base that wants that. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what's right or wrong necessarily, but I know myself as a player would absolutely love just more stuff to do. Keep me in the game, especially, especially these days where online connectivity and all that. It's, it's it's not really a expectation necessarily, but it's definitely something that will benefit them to keep selling DLC, keep you in other content like Pokemon Go and stuff. I think it will be good for them. And even with the DLC and the new Pokemon Sword and Shield stuff, I think uh, that is a good step in the direction I'm looking forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think that if you didn't get like if you don't have the online subscription and maybe can't do raids with people like the dynamax raids with friends online you're kind of limited unless you buy the dlc and have that extra story um which i did do the the first part of the dlc but i haven't gotten to the second part yet and i've heard that's kind of where like the meat of it is so i actually still have that to look forward to as we kind of look ahead at what's next for pokemon so yeah um, i kind of have that in my back pocket to keep playing yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. It's sort of just like a sort of a nice little story to go through and all the legendary stuff if you're into um, collecting the legendaries or maybe even finding yeah. shinies. Uh, you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of it, but, you know, you can save it for when you're feeling like mm-hmm. playing, playing Pokemon. There's, there's no rush. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think the reason why I didn't dive into it immediately, like for one, I know there was a lot of other stuff that was coming out at that time that I was playing, but also the, the fact that I heard that, most of the story was catching these legendaries and since i have my living decks i already have most of these legendaries there's the new galarian forms that i don't have yet which i still need to to go in and get those but you know i don't need another entei or whatever you know i already have that Mm -hmm. so it's good for the people who who don't have it that's a lot of extra new content yeah i'm i'm a similar way i've got the legendaries but like i go in there every now and again like maybe it will be will be a different color maybe just that's the thing i i want a shiny hunt for them you know i I think i just need to find the time to do that because i really really want to catch my own shiny ho-oh um i spent so long in previous generations trying to like soft reset to get one um and i never did and i so i think this is probably the easiest way to get a shiny legendary now so that's that's what I want to get out of that DLC when I finally get back to it. Yeah, one I really want and I've always wanted, uh, whether it's in Pokemon Go or Pokemon Sword and Shield, I don't care where I get it, but I want a shiny Latias. Uh, oh. Because I... Uh, yeah, that's a good one. When it was a sprite, it was like a really nice bright gold color. Um, in, the mm-hmm. 3D, in the 3D models, it doesn't look as good, but it's still a nice looking shiny. Um, so I've always wanted one. I had... um. I had Alpha Sapphire, so uh, Latios was actually shiny locked in that game, so I couldn't get it. So I tr- oh, okay. So I got my shiny Latios in that because you can get the Eon ticket and go and get the uh, second second Eon Pokemon. So I got my shiny Latios. I don't quite like the shiny as much. It's like a teal color. Isn't that one like teal? Yeah. Yeah, it's not quite as nice, uh, but I really do want my Latios. So I haven't even found it in the den yet, so... Nowhere near. Sort well, of yeah, it's so getting... random. But I think um, if if you have other people who are playing it, you can join their raid. Like you could probably find someone online who has it in their den, and you can join them, and then you, you can save it to your den, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I haven't gone to that much effort just yet. <laughs> it's like who's got Latias? I had someone in. Um... I know that's. 
That's what I need to do for Ho-Oh. <laughs> yeah. I had someone in our Discord saying, hey, I've got lady ass, but then like, all right, let's jump online. And I think it was, I don't know what happened. It disappeared or something. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> yeah. No, a bit of a shame. So uh, X and Y, one of your favorite Pokemon games, but would uh, what would be sort of a follow-up to that? Um, I guess uh, with gold and silver, what would be oh a third a third game then? <laughs> um, what do you was... mean, like um, for for X and Y? Oh, sorry, just mean... like um, what would be your third favorite Pokemon game if you had to? Oh, my third favorite. Oh man, probably. Mm, that's that's hard. I mean, I guess it would probably be Generation One, but. Not like I like all the modern mechanics though. Like I, I go back and I played Blue on the Virtual Console on 3DS, and I realized, oh my gosh, this game's missing so many of like the the core features now that that I've come to know and love in Pokemon. So you know, I think in a lot of those ways that the Let's Go games did that. Um, they kind of brought those those modern mechanics to it. You know, we have Fairy type now. Like we have the the special physical split that didn't exist in gen one um but that being said i think probably gen one just you know for nostalgia reasons and you know having so many good designs and just like you can't really beat the classics type thing it would probably either be that or generation three so you know one of those would be would be my third favorite yeah cool because i was just curious because you said you come back with generation five i'm just wondering where that fits in there oh you know that's really I think one of my other unpopular opinions, I have that kind of low on my ranking. It's not at the bottom, but, you know, for me, and I kind of have an interesting relationship with that game because, like I said, so I skipped Generation 4 because I was in middle school or, like, maybe early high school when that came out, and so I was kind of in that I'm too cool for Pokemon phase. Um, And then when Generation 5 came out, I didn't get it right away. And I think I was, like... 16 or 17 and my dad got it for me for my birthday you know whether it was that year or the next year and I looked at the game and I'm like dad like I'm not into Pokemon anymore and he's like yeah but like I saw it and I you know I thought you know the cover looked really cool and you know maybe you would like it so I started playing it and that's kind of what got me back into Pokemon like as you know a young adult um so I'm really grateful for that and I really did enjoy my time with it but for me I think at that time I had wished that there were older Pokemon that I knew because that was kind of the first generation where they only had new Pokemon designs. You know, you couldn't find a Pikachu out in the wild or, you know, a Vulpix out in the wild. You could only find the the generation five Pokemon. So that part kind of turned me off as well as the fact that I really didn't love many of the designs of the Pokemon in that game, which I know is another probably really unpopular opinion because I know a lot of people really like the designs in that game. Um, that being said, I think what Gen 5 does the best are the the story, obviously, and also the towns were really, yeah. really cool and memorable. Um, that Those were my favorite parts of Gen 5, for sure. Yeah, and like I thought it was a really cool generation, and at the time I probably felt a little bit similar, being like, you know what, it would be cool to have a, a few uh, recognizable Pokemon, but I... <laughs> I feel like everybody's saying that, like, where's Pikachu, where's Charizard, where's, you know, uh, whatever Pokemon is your favorite. I, f- I feel like Game Freak's like, all right, we're listening. And uh, ever since then, we've gotten nothing but Pikachu, Charizard, just like yeah. 
yeah. just right they in go front too of us. far in the other direction and you know i think i i do like the idea a lot of being able to only have the new ones i think if i had liked the designs a little bit more i would have been more open to that idea i think i might be in the minority with not liking the design so i think that's a very me problem but i think you know if let's say in sword and shield if they did that i i liked the designs a lot more in sword and shield i think i would have been more open to only having those and not the old ones yeah because I remember at the time, a lot of people had problems with uh, a lot of the new Pokemon. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty trite at this point, but everyone points out rubbish. Like, oh, what's that? It's a rubbish bag. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> the ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah, the ice cream cone. But it's like, so that's ridiculous. But, you know, we are, I guess we are talking about Pokemon here. Like, there's a lot of weird designs. And even in Generation 1, mm-hmm. it's like, What's the, what's Magnemite? He's just like this electronic thing with magnets, and you got Muck. Some magnets. <laughs> you got Muck. He's literally Sludge. God, where's where's the? We have a literal Pokeball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got Voltorb and Electrode. Like they're literally Pokeballs that come yeah. to life. So I know I, there there have always been designs like that for sure. But you know, if you think about it, like like I was saying, a lot of my favorite designs are the the ones that very clearly are represented by some kind of animal design, and I I think. That gen has the least amount of those. Um, you know, there are some really good ones like um, Zebstrika that I really like, the yeah. electric zebra. Mm. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying I, I hate all the designs. It's just probably, as a whole, my least favorite groups of designs. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, some of, them are, some of them are pretty jarring, especially when you don't have a, maybe an old Pokemon to sort of your clutch like all right pikachu yeah. you got to get me through this man yeah. i don't know I'm, I'm alone here i don't know anyone <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah have you um played uh, black and white too though i haven't and i you know i i should though because i've heard those are the ones that really kind of improve upon it that they're it's like a sequel right it's not yeah, they're yeah. not the remakes for it it's a sequel so um that's something that i would like to get around to playing someday i think i've heard that they fix a lot of the issues that maybe i would have had in black yeah. and white yeah i think they would mm-hmm. because um, I got the I got to them a little bit late as well because the 3DS was already out and I was probably playing know, something on 3DS, probably Pilot Wings 3D or something, you know, something really exciting like <laughs> that at the time. Uh, but yeah, it was playing through it. It's just like it's exactly at the time what I wanted for the series. It's not like the same game with a few more features. It is just a sequel to an already pretty in depth story, and they changed the region and they introduced uh, what did they introduce? What was I going to say? Um, oh, yes. They introduced the the uh, older Pokemon back into the game as well. So you're able to like play. See, I, I probably would have. Yeah, I probably would have liked that a lot better had I been playing that one for the first time. Yeah. So I think uh, if you're in the mood for like a retro Pokemon game, that's uh, definitely a good pick. If you can find it for cheap, I know that it might be uh, a bit expensive with the Pokemon sort of <laughs> hype that's going on at the I, moment. It's so bizarre because if you go back and try to buy it, you know, an old Pokemon game, it seems like those games have increased in price rather than gone down. You know, they're hard to get at a, at a reasonable price now. Reasonable price nowadays. Yeah, like every now and again, uh, someone on Facebook Marketplace or something might be selling it for mm-hmm. a, a reasonable price. I uh, I picked up a couple of DSi a couple of years ago when it came with Pokemon Platinum and stuff and. The two DSs were only like 50 bucks each Australian. So that was like a really good find. I'm like, fantastic. Came with like Bowser's Bowser's Inside Story as well, which had a limited printing here in Australia. So I was pretty happy with that. But apart from that, if you go to, um, um, not Big W, if you go to uh, EB Games or something, 
Uh, mm-hmm. If you do find a copy, it'll be like 80 bucks Australian for a copy of Platinum, which is just oh, like wow. for a DS game. Like that, that I know. doesn't go down in price. Uh-uh, not at all. You know, I've seen, I think I ended up buying Heart Gold um, a little bit later, you know, a couple years after it yeah. came out. Um, and I was like, I think I was in, in I must have been in late high school or early college when I was buying it. And I didn't have a lot of, you know, my own money to spend. And um, the they were really expensive on eBay. So I ended up getting a really cheap one, you know, coming, you know, some kind of shady bootleg seller. It ended up being a fake <laughs> copy of the game. Oh. You know, I, I realized I should have just shelled out, you know, some extra for the real thing. Um, but, yeah, so bizarre how they, they go up in price, um, you know, more so than I think most games. Yeah, I, I don't know any other game series that is like Pokemon. Like you know, even Legend of Zelda, Mario. There's, you know, you can get you can get them for the original price, and it's still expensive. Obviously, years later, but it is what it is. But Pokemon literally is more than if you buy it on day one, which is exactly nice. exactly. Yeah, so I guess to uh, start wrapping things up with the 25th year anniversary happening oh, this year, uh, what are some things you would like to see happen? regarding to products or events or whatever, what would you personally really enjoy as a Pokemon fan happening in 2021? So seeing as I did skip Gen 4, I think all of the rumors that we've been hearing about Gen 4 remakes with Diamond and Pearl, I would really like for that to happen. I do actually own Pokemon Pearl. I ended up buying it, okay. you know, years, years later. Um, I think I've had it for a couple years now. And I started playing it, but I just, I haven't finished it for whatever reason. So I think I only got a couple of gyms in before I put it down. So I would really, really be into that game being remade. Um, I think... You know, I've been seeing rumors on both sides about it either being in the style of Let's Go or in the style of Pokemon Sword and Shield. And while, you know, Sword and Shield, Sword and Shield isn't really like the artistic or graphical powerhouse of games that we would expect on the Switch, I would be okay with it being in that style the way that the remakes tend to be for each generation. They do tend to be in that same style, like how we saw with Omega Ruby and XOI were the same uh, for the most part. Um, just to be able to experience that generation kind of for the first official time. Um, so that would probably be number one on my wish list to see, just so I can finally have a real experience with that game officially. Um, other than, like, as far as other things, you know, I'm, I just kind of want to see what they have in store. I don't really have any big expectations. I feel like Pokemon's always doing something that's kind of new or surprising or quirky anyway. There's probably some kind of new spinoff game that they're working on. Um, I'm really looking forward to Pokemon Snap. We already know about. I was a huge Pokemon Snap fan growing up. I played so many hours of that game. So I'm really looking forward to that game coming out at the end of April. Other than that, I just kind of want to see what what they have that maybe I'm not expecting. Yeah. I, I think you're pretty safe with your Diamond and Pearl remake. I think that's pretty well on the cards. I think it's, I think it's time. <laughs> yeah. Personally, what would... What really, really excite me would just be a Pokemon collection, having the Pokemon games oh on the Switch, the older Pokemon games uh, from the, the Game Boy to the Game Boy Advance. Uh, I don't think they would re-release Diamond and Pearl, but it wouldn't hurt. I don't think that's going to eat into remake sales, so I'll be more than happy for mm-hmm. them to put them on there. Don't know how far they would go with a collection, but I would absolutely love to see a collection on Switch that has Pokemon Home compatibility, so you can play... But much like on the 3DS where you can put them into Pokemon Bank, I would love to just play through the older Pokemon games and have them compatible again because I, for the longest time, have wanted just to play uh, Pokemon Emerald on my TV. 
I've wanted it for so long. I don't want to do it through an emulator. I want to do it with my cartridge. Especially, uh, yep. Yeah, and I had a... Uh, I was going to pre-order one of the analog pockets. I don't know if you saw uh, these. They're like a, basically like a really luxurious Game Boy where they're compatible. Yeah, with- I've seen that. Yeah, like it looks really cool. And I was there at midnight Australian time, ready to pre-order, and it sold out in two minutes, one minute. It just went. Oh, no. Oh. And I had like 500 bucks ready down, ready to put down on this you know, silly luxury, luxury Game Boy. Um, so the dream still continues. So if I can do it in an official way with something a lot cheaper that I've already got, uh, that would be fantastic. That would be something I'd really love to see. I would like to see them have them made available on the Switch too because I think about how someday they are going to shut down all of the services on the 3DS. They're going to shut down the eShop if, if someday eventually. They're going to shut down Pokemon Bank eventually. And eventually, someday, it's not going to be possible to bring up you know some of those Gen 1 Pokemon or you know anything that might not be available on either Let's Go or Sword and Shield right now um, to bring from 3DS to the Switch. Eventually, there's going to be no way to get those Pokemon. So I think they're going to have to future-proof this by making those available somehow on the Switch. And, you know, I think this could possibly be the best opportunity for doing that. It's the 25th anniversary. Go nuts. They can print money. Like, I know it's such a cliched thing to say, but they could print money. Like, people like me and you would buy these games for the second, third, fourth time. We would do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we would. I would like, personally... My dream way of them doing it would be actually like include them in the Pokemon Home app as part of the subscription. Oh, so and, that would be great. And even in a wackier world, have them available to play on your phone and your Switch through the same app. Oh, now would be, that would be an idea. And you could literally, you could have it, you know, wherever you go and just have that seamless connection would be, I feel like that's what people want. Like having people been asking for ways to, you know, play. And, these are old games. Like you could run it on the on the phone. That would be no problem. Yeah, definitely. So, I like your ideas. They need to hire you. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon Company, you can take that one. Please take that one. <laughs> Please. Please take it. <laughs> we won't sue you for taking this idea. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep paying my subscription. You just take the idea. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, well, Rebecca, it's been an absolute blast talking to you. Thank you very much for your time to come on the show. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I could talk about Pokemon all day. You know, I think, like I said, there is a lot to look forward to. They're going to have some surprises up their sleeves, I think, for us. I'm really excited. I think probably right around Pokemon Day, I would expect, is when we're going to start hearing about it. So Yeah, I'm, uh, God, I'm excited. <laughs> really excited. Uh, so if anybody uh, isn't familiar with your work or anything like that and they'd like to go and check it out after listening to this, where can they find you and uh, all that fun stuff? Yeah, so I pretty much do everything on Twitter. You can find me at Forest Minish. Um, I write for Twinfinite. I stream. I podcast with Nintendo Shack. Um, I do all sorts of stuff. But yeah, Forest Minish on Twitter is where you can find me and the rest of my links. Excellent. And they'll be all linked in the show notes. So go and check it out. And... Until next week, the doors to the House of Mario are closed. Catch you later.